Welcome back in listeners to a fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings. We are traveling abroad once again, this time going to the famed Edinburgh uh, Fringe Festival where we are sitting down with writer-director Harry Spears, whose show Wistful is premiering at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Harry, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us at this late hour all the way out there in Edinburgh. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm always down to talking to everyone. Um, conversations are really important. We're delighted to be on the show and we're delighted to have any interest in us. And uh, it seems like you've got a really cool podcast here. So I'm, I'm really excited for this. And that's, um, let's do this, mate. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, we've been talking prior to starting this uh, interview, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear all about this. Uh, we, you're a very, very passionate person about this show, uh, Wistful. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your show? Okay, well, our show is basically, if I'm going to boil it down to one sentence, is about reviving poetry. Uh, it's about discovering a lost art. It's about using technology. It's about using dance. It's about using physical theater. It's about using sound and everything we have at our disposal nowadays. I mean, there are some technology companies, they have, you know, the technology and stuff working on robots and whatnot. We're kind of taking it back, looking at the ancient and saying, what if we use that on the old? What if we, what if we dug deep? Um, because I believe there's something still in that and something still relevant. Um, I, I think it's so important, particularly for the youth and particularly for young people, as well as old, that it's something that we can both talk about. Because poetry is about, for me, if I had to boil it down to something very short, poetry is about a new feeling set in an older way. And I think that it's a good way of bringing people who enjoy how uh, poetry looks on a page of its rhyme, of, it meet, of its meter, and all of those beautiful linguistic effects, but then also bringing the intention to the new, bringing those revolutionary feelings, bringing what's been done constantly in the past through. So our show is a physical um, site of musical, of expression, of spirals, of um, everything that's good about theatre. Uh, and it kind of takes a, it takes a little dip out of all the best bits of um, what I think theatre is uh, and uses that. Um, and we talk about many different topics in it. We talk about mental health. We talk about problems with gender. We talk about problems with addiction. We talk about problems of what nature is for us nowadays, how we're treating the natural world. It teaches us about loss. Um, and, and it deals with all these issues and it kind of is using poetry as just a foundation for a feeling, really. Um, we use a cast of, you know, multi, multi-talented cast uh, from wide walks of life. Um, some have trainings in dance, some have training in music, some have training in theatre uh, and the best bits from all of them. Um, and one of the most important things for the show is we're looking to adapt, we're looking to evolve, we're looking to reach out. We're looking to speak. We're looking to have conversations um, and make this, you know, pioneer something new. Be part of the collective, really. Use other shows. Use your own show. You know, it, it's just the beginning, I feel. That is so fascinating. And I, and I love that you're tapping into, I hate to say the lost art of poetry, but, but you know, this, this rarely used art form to be the vessel of this, this show, you know. Um, it... it it reminds me very much of 
of Greek theater, of, of Shakespeare almost, of early American or early theater, like melodrama and whatnot, where there was rhythm and, and tempo and whatnot to the dialogue, that you had to lean in a little bit more to, to get more out of it. You know, it wasn't so upfront. So I like where I like what this is. I like where this is going. I like what this is about. This sounds very, very, very interesting. Very dynamic. So what was it like coming up with the show? Or let me rephrase that. Actually, how did you come up with the show? Um, so the fringe, or is this this is this the the general the general show in, in general? Um, how did you come up with the 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 show Wistful? Okay, the show Wistful. Well. Um, so I wrote a, um, I've been writing since I was 14. I've been writing poetry since I was 14. And then, mate, I can't tell you how much of a recluse it makes you feel. Um, <laughs> it makes you feel like you're this strange, weird, old tome in a world of phones and film and TV. And, you know, when kids were going out skating and going outside and I was doing all that, you know, I, I was afraid to tell my friends that, you know, I'd come back and I'd be, be writing this stuff down. I'd have my books off my table and, um, and it just, I don't know, it, it grew out of not a, like I didn't, it doesn't feel like I did it. It just felt like it happens. Uh, and it felt like, yeah, it just felt like an ink. I always, I always say to my friends, like an ink pot, an ink pot inside me um, that just kept on, you know, almost crying, almost, crying or falling or uh, laughing or spiraling out um, for me. And I had all those things. I put them in an anthology and I was like, right, I've got my anthology of poems. Um, I'm happy with it. You know, it's got a lot to, you know, it, it's got a lot of problems with it, but I'm happy with it. And then I was trying to tell people about it. And, you know, 99% of people were like, okay, yeah, you, brought, you write poetry. Oh, that's cool. You know, it's a bit weird, but yeah, it's cool. Like not many people do that, but you know, if, if it works for you, it makes you happy, it works. And, you know, my dad and my parents were, they were like, they've become very supportive. But at first they were like, well, you're not going to make any money as a, <laughs> as, a, um, as, a as a writer. You're not going to make any money as this. Uh, and then I've been, I was training in theatre and dance and music at the time. Um, I did some musicals. I'd done a musical, um, some musicals back home. And then my voice dropped. Uh, and then it was like, right, you can't sing anymore. So you can't sing. And I was like, I did, um, uh, I went to a theatre school at Tring Park, a place where I think if you're in the UK and you're looking to go to drama school, I'd really recommend to go. Um, I did the performance thing for a while. Um, I did that for two years. So from sixth form for us, so lower sixth to upper sixth. Uh, and then in upper sixth, um, I applied for drama school with a lot more of my mates, uh, some of them here with me. So a lot of us are from Tring and went to Tring Park together. Um, and that's when we kind of got to know each other. Uh, and then I was like, you know, drama school, drama school, drama school, drama school. You're going to go to drama school here or America. That's your plan. That's your dream. <laughs> and then that didn't happen. And then it kind of was like a bullet to the head for me at that point. Uh, and I was like, right, you're a performer. This is what you do. Like, I can't do anything else. You know, I, I just don't, I can't feel it. Uh, and then I kind of, had it in the, I had Wistful, I had these poems written down from ages. I, I had them in, you know, I can't remember exactly where they were. I think they were like a really old suitcase, uh, which was kind of falling apart. Uh, and then like in that was like a briefcase, which was also falling apart. And, you know, that speaks for itself. Um, and I kind of got it out and I kind of was like, right, you know, I wrote these. Let's have a look. And I was like, right, I am going into drama school. I'm a performer. Let's just do this. Um, and it just felt right and it felt at the right time. So I spoke to my mates about it and at Tring Park, um, our boarding school, 
um, they put on a, uh, they let you do your own show at the end uh, where they invite people to come to it. And this was in the COVID years. So I only had an audience from the, um, from the, um, sorry, I've got a thing of fine smart catch up. I'm just going to move it because it's distracting me. <laughs> uh, um, I was just, just sitting looking at it. I was like, I'm talking about something serious. Um, um, no. Um, so yeah, we put on that, that show at Tring. Um, and yeah, I saw something in front of my eyes that I was like, by no means is this complete. By no means is this finished. There's a lot wrong with it. We were using chairs at that point. So we had like six chairs on the stage. I was like, these have got to go. Um, I was like, there's a lot of sitting down. I was like, these have got to go. Like, we've got to move it. There's, there's too much sitting down at first. And I was like, of a review of my poetry, which I've had people speak about it for, write some stuff about it, um, give it some reviews in uh, journals and whatnot at university uh, now, and then reviews my parents and stuff back home. This was better. This was the best kind of review of not only theatre but poetry that I had because the problems with the words almost like shook in the forms of the actors mm -hmm. and but also on the counterpoint of that so did its beauty it was like shaking in it and it was spiraling in it I felt right it's not complete it's not done we have so far to go we have so much to work on but you know what this has got something in it this is something new this is something exciting uh, there was a brilliant response from the school. There's a brilliant response from the actors. Um, as I said, they're my rock, they're my foundation. Um, they give everything to me uh, and I couldn't do this without them. Um, and we were like, you know what? We're just going to go take it up to Edinburgh. Uh, I was very fortunate to get some, uh, some funding. Um, and I was just like, let's just, you know, let's just do it. Um, and that's how kind of, if I was going to say how Whistle kind of was built up, was brought to life, I think that's the base, best way that I could describe it. Um, so from an anthology of poems into a kind of really um, a, a, a good, but um, still not perfect play to, or performance art, even, I always use call it play, um, till to now where, you know, there's the same problem. I'm always going to say this. There's still problems. There's still stuff we need to work on. But I've just watched it tonight, kind of like the first time all through with everything. I was like, you know what? I sat back in my seat. We had a guy, you know, crying a couple of tears in the audience. We actually had quite a few people from the USA um, and people laughing. I just thought, this is what you, this is how I feel when I'm reading a poem. And, you know, I don't mind how any, however many people are there, but just as from the people that I get that response, then I'm all good. It's all good with me. Um, so that's what I'm saying we're on now from where we built it up to be. That is fantastic. That, and I, I love that you're getting that audience response because that, that's what we've missed the last few years with COVID. We, and, I, and I know that for our listeners, um, they've heard us say that a lot, but that's been the missing component in the arts. You need that live response. You need that active kind of like volley between actors on stage and audience members. You need to know, you know, a rehearsal space is great and words on the page are great, but until you get that audience in front of you, you don't really know what's working because we've heard it so many times, you know, so the fact that you're getting these responses is amazing. So what is the message that you are hoping audiences walk away with? Oh, now I, I say out of your questions, I was, you know, I was, I was looking and I was like, I, I was looking at it. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. 
you know, I've got, to, I've got to think about this and make it good. But equally, I don't want to deny what, what, what I was like, oh my God, no, you've done me here. But um, no, I, 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 there's, there's lots of different small messages. Um, I think it's a kind of, uh, the way I'm calling it is a kind of goodie bag, which is you're not going to like anything in a pack of sweets. Like if it's a pick and mix, you know, you have the Harry Bows, you have your like your kind of star mix and not everyone's going to love everything. Like some people like the eggs, some people like the hearts, some, some people like the um, cola bottles or whatever else is in, in there, but there's something for everyone. So I think in terms of topics, there's something for everyone, but the real message of it is, it's about poetry. It's about any kind of poetry. It's about the feeling of poetry. And it's about don't be, you know, don't be snobbish with it. Don't be, don't refine it. Burst it. It's like a balloon. You know, it, it, it means so many different things to so many different people. It's so coded. It's so patterned. But it's just waiting for you there to unpick it. And I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, come with us, audience. Join the cast members. Let's unpick it together. Let's give you a hand. But in the end of the day, you know, people have said to me after the show, I saw this in it. I saw that in it. You know, it's different things. And, you know, that's what I think. That's why I think for me, why it means so much is that an audience member can have a completely different meaning to what I do. And that's what it's about. It's not about what I think about it because now it's had its first performance in Edinburgh. I don't feel like they're mine anymore. They're, um, they're Edinburgh's at the moment and they're the fringes. Um, so if I was going to give a message, it's just the show wants you to feel something so bad that it will shake it out of you. And I think that's our, that's our message. It just wants you to feel that poetry is still relevant, that it's still here and it still lives with us now. working on this then you mentioned that you were working on this in school during COVID times um and obviously now we're in 2022 chapter six of COVID times um, <laughs> but, uh you'd started you said you'd started this by writing a bunch of poems so about how long how long would you say you've been working on this this uh this play or these poems I guess oh uh since I was 14 probably um in spurts um you know Poetry it is an interesting one because I feel like a lot of people, like a lot of writers that I know. Um, so my girlfriend's a really good writer. Um, she's um, she's of the mood where when she writes, she, she writes a poem and she leaves it. And it's like, if I don't like it anymore in a couple, you know, two, three weeks time, you know, I'll write a new one. It'll be about a completely different topic. And I, I do use that approach as well. But I felt like for Wistful and for theatre, I was like, you know what? What if you did revisit them? What if I did revisit them at the ages of 15, at the ages of 16, at the ages of 17, at the ages of 18, and now at the age of 19? And go, what have I learned? How am I different this year from the last? One of the, if I was to give you an example, so 
one of the poems is called Golf Ball. It's our first actual poem after the prologue, after the kind of introduction to what we're trying to do. And um, uh, it's about my, basically, it's, it's written on the program, so I don't think I'm spoiling anything. But um, it's about my, my granddad when he used to go to the beach with us, uh yeah every time he used to go to the beach with us he, he was a big writer my dad's big writer that was all right and then it kind of passed on to me but my dad never really did anything with it he kind of he's he's just turning like into his 60s now and now he's starting to write these short stories and i'm like uh okay you know i'm not the only one in the family who's in this kind of stuff like why did not this me why do i feel like the only weird one in his family um and yeah, uh, he used to have a, a golf ball. Uh, I always kind of actually keep it in my pocket, pocket for good luck. Uh, yeah, there we are, it's my blazer. Um, uh, this, um, this golf ball, he used to take it down the beach. And for me, like over the years, it's become this kind of symbol of him. Uh, and kind of the standards deal with how first it's a golf ball and then it rolls through these castles and the holes in the sands to become something that's not there, something that's missing. And then it pushes up into the moon and something in the stars by um, uh, Lumi, our choreographer, does this dance to it and kind of uh, an expression of that. Um, and as I've looked at that from the ages of, I think I wrote it when I was 16, from the ages of 17, 18 and 19, like, it feels like I'm so close to him. And that moment that I remember of being really inspired by this. Yeah, because with the golf, we used to make castles in the sand and then roll it through. And I inspired by this imagination, by this creativity. And then I've never, at this moment now, I've never felt so close to him, but yet so far, because he passed away, um, I think, seven, seven, eight years ago. And... Um, um, you know, I've never felt at this moment now, like I've never felt so close to that, to that. I think that's where I feel like it started yet so far from it. Um, and I think, you know, with, um, with how it, with how the, with how the poems work, it, it's about revisiting. It's about, cause I, I want to feel it again. I'm like, I've written this down. I want to go back and I want to feel it again. Um, but every time I do, I like, I tarnish it. I change it. It's like holding paper and creasing the edges. Um, you know, we get that out of flyers as well. You can't handle them too much. They always crease over. Uh, and I feel like that's the show. It's like, it's like paper, you know, it, it changes it. It rips and you, you don't want to touch it, but you have to, cause you have to get close to it. Um, and so, yeah, like that's why I wrote them. Um, it's different. Um, I feel like it's good for some reason. It's bad for others. Uh, I do like just writing set poetry and going, right, this is good. I like it. This is bad. Get lost. Um, but it's about, you know, um, it's about rewriting and about what is the process of rewriting? What's the process of refeeling for me? And I think whenever I hear something from an audience member, like now, when I heard something today, I was like, right, this means something to them completely different. Now that's included. Um, let's make things bigger. You know, it's, it's big enough to, this small poem is big enough to include and big enough to kind of surround these uh, impressions of it and all these kind of views on it. Um, uh, so that's, I think that's how I'm writing, whether my own, like over time as I'm getting older or whether they're somebody completely different. Um, so I think if I was going to answer the question of, 
you know, how I wrote them and how I've done it since I was 14, I just say in changing, adapting and learning um, the art form itself is still learning how to do itself completely. Um, so yeah, I think that's my answer to that one. I love how deep like the ties run in the show. You know, I, I didn't realize how do I, how do I make this make sense? Um, I, I just, I love how, how visceral the memories are attached to, to, to your script and as well as to your movement, it goes way beneath the surface. And I like that our listeners are going to get an, an inside, you know, peek behind that curtain and realize that you were not just seeing something. It's not just one scene. There's really, it's like an iceberg. There's so much more beneath, you know, yeah. and when you, pr- it sounds like you could probably write the whole play based on that first poem kind of thing, you know, and, and what an incredible story to go with it. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's amazing. Thank you. That's really kind. Thank you. And with that, then, who do you hope have access to the show? This was a long, yeah, I had a long conversation with my dad about it, actually. A really long conversation. Um, and with directors I know in London, um, with my friends, and I said, you know, I, I sat this script down with them and I said, who do I market to? Who do I go to? Who do I, who's my really, like, center stage? And it's... I would honestly say it's it's really difficult. Um, as I spoke about the the kind of the uh, Harry Bow kind of goodie bag and the different things in it, I also think there's different things in it with for different ages as well. Um, you know, I I I feel like I've included moments and ex- tried to include experiences that you know older like older people I've met have had that. You know, things that I don't even understand, but something which I can, like, I, I, I'm, I'm a, I, although I'm a big, big fan of empathy and a big, big fan of putting yourself in somebody's shoes, I also think there's a space for, particularly if, like, there's an older feeling or a feeling which I haven't felt yet, like having a family or, you know, um, uh, having a family or experiencing, like, the utmost depths of addiction. Um, you, you, you can, you can, it's like, if you haven't got a glass of like, oh, there was this, there, there was this um, in the film Candy, which is a fantastic film. I recommend you know anybody who's listening watches and and, and yourself, Andrew. That um, he says that to become this Heath Ledger said that to become a heroin addict in that show, he just said I had to pretend and I had to realize like I just really needed a glass of water, like just really, really, really needed it. And I feel like through sitting and having conversations and sitting through having communications, uh, communications and conversations with people, um, that this ha- the show has got a moment for everyone. And as long as each person or each age group feel like they have a moment of each poem or, or, or a poem itself inside, then I've succeeded. Um, you know, it's it's a hard one because I feel like in ways it could be split off into many different kinds of shows for each poem. But then I wouldn't want to do that anyway um, for the sake of marketing it and the sake of giving it out to different, different age groups. But I feel like, I mean, it's a big thing to say and I'm checking myself by, while I say this, but I would say everyone and anyone, if you, if you like the sound of poetry and you like the sound of, you know, putting things that are old, if you like building things that are old and making them new, you know, whether that's a boat, whether that's a memory, whether that's a, you know, your life, if you like, you know, trying to build on your life and making it better, if you like kind of putting two old things together, 
if you like art, if you like, you know, capturing a moment, um, I'd say give it a watch or uh, give it a follow or, you know, and this is where I hope it goes with it. I hope it feels like we can build something together in front of your eyes, um, whatever age, whatever audience, whatever gender, race, whatever. I, you know, I'm trying to build a show that's universal. I'm never going to do it. I'm never, never going to do it. But the, what matters is that I'm always trying, I feel. It doesn't matter if I succeed, but I feel like I'm going to try. Try and do it. Brilliant. Brilliant. on our show um we not only like to talk about our our invited artists about their work but we like to also invite you uh to kind of talk about you know your experience in the theater um which is kind of our dual purpose of stage whisper so i kind of want to ask you a few questions about yourself now uh i want to kick things off with what shows in the past have inspired you or that you love and we can extend this as well to to playwrights and to um uh composers as well this this is always a difficult question i was this is another one i was looking at. i was like right you're gonna have to pick a few and then you're gonna have to look at the books on your shelf and go i'm so sorry i didn't mention you um i feel really bad but um, um no um i would say one of them is a kind of combination of of you know writing and stage and poetry and kind of the new if T.S. Eliot, he, mm -hmm. um, he, he has taken stuff up to the fringe. He was a poet and then he turned playwright half his career and people are like, oh, what, what is he doing now? Like, I thought you were a poet and now you're a playwright. Uh, and he was just like, poetry goes into, poetry goes into plays, poetry works in theatre. So he used little, you know, little bits in it. There's a play called The Cocktail Party, which is about, um, it's kind of modernist, age of anxiety, kind of 1950s, um, it kind of, I think it came up to the Edinburgh Fringe. I remember seeing, I was like, this has gone to the Edinburgh Fringe first. I was like, yes, um, in the 1950s. And um, yeah, it's about a, um, a kind of cocktail party that keeps happening at house and this mysterious stranger keeps turning up who makes things all weird and just speaks poetry and kind of weirds out all the people that are, that are, that are drinking. And it's about them finding themselves. Uh, and it's a lot about what it is to be an actor, like really weird and unique staged rage in his form and then Elliot's notes to it are like um actor generally has to feel this and I'm like so you're asking the actor and the character to do the same thing at once so are you asking them to act and I'm like what like okay <laughs> you know this is some new some new kind of experimental stuff um I what else do I like I, I like a lot of new writing. I like a lot of new plays that came through. I was doing an internship at a theatre in London called the Finborough Theatre with um, Neil McPherson and Matilda Russell were excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, have been an excellent source of guidance for me. And they introduced, they, I, I've seen some brilliant plays there. I've seen this play called Bacon that was about um, kind of dealing with homosexuality. These two uh, teenagers dealing with their own sexuality under the guise of a society and almost their own mental 
state that wouldn't let them. And so it gets quite physical and it gets, um, and I worked really, really well. And then I actually went up to the director afterwards. And I was like, so this was inspired by Francis Bacon, the painter, right? She was like, no, not at all. Start looking at these, um, you start looking at these paintings because uh, they're fantastic. Uh, I'm going to see um, To Kill a Mockingbird soon. In, um, um, yes. London, the new, yeah, the new show with, with, um, with some friends of mine. And I'm, I'm really, really, really looking forward to that. Um, kind of the thing about being, I think the thing about being a, being a performer and being an artist with like shows and inspiration and stuff is that for me, like people are so stressed about seeing certain things and like experiencing certain things and like saying like, I've got to see it by this like director. I've got to see it by this performer in it. I've got to see it because this writer's written it. And I'm just like, the world will show you and take you to where you're meant to go. You'll see something online. You'll be like, oh, this is cool. Let's go see it. And then it can blow your mind away. And then you can also go to something that you've been planning to go to. And it's just like, yeah, it was good. But, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting. So I feel like let the world, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm a huge believer in fate or destiny, but I believe that, you know, just pick up a book when you can and give, give a page a read or give a poem a read or go, go to a gallery. Um, me and my girlfriend love just going into London and doing like, right, we're going to find some cool artsy stuff to do today and, and um, spend the day in London. Um, I mean, I haven't been out the country in like three years since COVID, which has been like, um, I've been, like United Kingdom for like um, since COVID and I've been like, I've been itching to go away. Um, but um, yeah, I've got to find the time to do that because um, I feel like going abroad and trying to find theatre or trying to find art is where you really learn, go to places where it's so different from your own. Yes. Um, I have this rule of, uh, and I, I mean, it, it's what I've been told and I think it works, is that if you're going for a day and you're, you're deciding I've got a day free in summer, you do three things and that, like art kind of to build yourself as a performer, as an artist, as a creative. You do one, that you absolutely love and you're going to absolutely know you're going to love and you're going to die doing this thing. Uh, usually mine are like gallery visits. I, I'm a huge art fan or theatre visits, uh, fringe theatre visits. Do one thing you're going to hate, absolutely hate. So go and see this, like, you know, go and see any kind of show that you think you're not going to like or go and see, um, you know, go and go read this book that you've heard is really, really boring or really badly written. And then also go into something completely random. Just walk around and go, right, I'm going in there. And you turn, you just walk in or you find this book at a bookshop and you just go, okay, it's got a cool cover and then just pick it. And I feel like yes. if you do that every day when you've got a break period to you know, do art, which we treasure so much, um just do it and you know it, it, it'll whatever you read whatever you do if you've got the right mindset towards it you're going to learn something yes um that's i think the kind of rules that i live by i i love that and i love that you're just like just go the your philosophy about going to see stuff that the universe will provide i literally stopped looking at what shows are about i just yeah, okay, what theater company is it? Great, sounds good. What's the name of that show? Absolutely. I don't care what it's about. I Don't tell me, I just want to be blown away. And on the whole, I'll go see shows and I'm like, I never would have thought you'd make a show about that. Woohoo, I got a story and I've been blown away. And like you said, there have been shows that I've been anticipating seeing that I go and I'm like, 
okay, I saw that. <laughs> That's done, you know. Um, and, and those are few and far between. I mean, most of the time, it's exactly what I expected, which is great. But I've always been amazed with what a lot of these people, a lot of these artists off and off off Broadway have come up with the stories they've created or that they're telling or whatnot. And I'm like, no, you need to have a, a bigger stage. This is such an incredible story. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, Hamilton is great. And I love it. But I, this show changed me, you know, and that's what I love. Yeah. I just saw people going with an open mind because you never know when you see that one show that it you leave or you read that book that just you, you put it down, you go, oh my gosh, what, you know? So I love, I love, and I love that, the three rule the, that, that, that you just gave, that was amazing. Uh, have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I'm just gonna say, go watch new Fringe Theatre. There are, if I'm gonna be honest, there are, I, I feel like with the Fringe shows here, I would say whether it's, you know, um, a really, really wonky show, a really, really weird show. Um, we wa I wanna go see, there's one called The Importance of, I mean, when you come up to Fringe and if you do a Fringe ever to the listeners, um, what you'll find is that you need to do something which I'm really bad at doing, which is go and watch stuff at the beginning because you can get drawn into just kind of doing the itty bitties of your show. But I'd say there's a lot of cool stuff up here and there's always a lot of cool fringe stuff. I would go recommend that people go see, uh, what have I watched recently? I watched this really at Christmas time. I watched this, oh my, what is it called? There's a musical about an elephant in RSC in the Swan. And it was a musical. And personally, I'm not always the biggest fan of musicals, but I watched it. Uh, I think it was, I'm going to have to search it up and send it to you. Um, but um, it really, um, yeah, it really blew me away. Um, and I kind of thought, you know, this has got a really good storyline. This has got some really good performances. Uh, and usually I'm a bit like, isn't this a bit, I feel like sometimes I feel with musical theatre, it's just too sensationalised as a feeling. When well, then I can have a theatre and I'll sit down, I'll be like, well, it's just really grabbing my attention. Um, if I was going to say anything to listeners to go, um, go and go and watch and go and see if it's at the fringe or other stuff, I'd just say at this point now, with the difficulty that theatre is going through with England, and I don't know how it is over in America, um, go see new stuff. Go support yes. new fringe artists. It's not all about money. We're not all in it for, you know, making a, a high earning business out of it. Some of us are, and uh, a lot of people I know are using, you know, all the time they have and all the time they've got just to, just to put something on that's going to make you feel something. Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of people up here at the fringe, you know, that's what it's about. You know, it isn't going to be perfect. It may not go well every show, but we, we, we all everyone here and everyone I've spoken to, all the shows have a lot of hearts um, and a lot of courage to do this, however young they are, and put themselves out there to make you feel something. So I'd say go, if I was going to say anything to listeners about going to watch and going to see, go see the new stuff, please. If you come up to Edinburgh or you come to any fringe show across the UK or any fringe theatre in New York, give one new show, give one world premiere, give one debut performance a go no matter if it sounds like it's going to have a few issues with it, 
give it a go because then for your kids and your kids' kids, we might not have the shows that we'll be enjoying nowadays. Let them have theatre as well. Let those kids have a theatre to look forward to as well and art to look forward to as well because we're in a, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, we're in a sticky situation with at the moment with England. We aren't, arts are funded awfully. We're not funded very well. You know, I read an article today about fringe artists, like so many of them not even getting close to breaking even with what they've spent. And the fact that they're still up here, they're still doing it, no matter how difficult or what position it puts in, that's what theatre is about. And, you know, some people view that as you can look on the bad side of that. But for me, that's, there's so much beauty in that and there's so much heart in that. And that's so, if I'm waffling on, I always do that. But just go and do something new, basically. No, you're, I think both our, our countries are facing the same problem. Um, and I couldn't agree more with you. And if we want these great blockbuster shows, in your case in the West End, on our case in Broadway, they have to start somewhere. Most shows, if not all, do not just appear on the on, on the West End or on Broadway. They have to be developed somewhere first. You got to support the little guys. You got to start them in their incep- support them in their inception and help them grow. You know, and and now more than ever, it's so important because we have that backlog that we have to make up for. So it's so so important now more than ever to, like you said, support these fringe artists, to support these smaller theaters. These smaller artists, absolutely. Say it one more time for the people in the back. I mean, can't agree with you more. Cannot agree with you more. And going along with that, what is your favorite part um, about working in the theater? I'm going to say it's probably not the money coming off of what we said, you know, because <laughs> um, <laughs> we both know um, how much I'm money lying. there is in I'm that. I'm lying if I say, like, I, I don't mind like balancing the books. I, I, I'm lying if I, if I say, like, completely. Every, every, every artist wants to, you know, balance the books and make back what they spend. But um, no. Um, <laughs> I actually know this question. I was like, yes, I know the answer to this question when he said it out. Um, <laughs> like, I was like, one, I was like, I'm going to rely on this. I hope he brings it up and we're just going to go for it. Um, you know, I know it. Um, and I think when I was an actor, at the end of the performance, when everyone's clapping and when everyone kind of, you know, congratulates you, for me, I always, like, that's when I would get the stage fright and the fright of now I'm a person back in the world that's just before that. And I go, that wasn't me. That was other people. Like, it was a writer, director, everything. And, you know, I, 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 it makes me feel uncomfortable and there's, there's something weird about it, I find. Um, like, of course, like, it, it's nice and it's lovely, but, you know, I'm always, think, I, as an actor, I'm always thinking about what's next. You know, what can I do more of? Um, but for me... The best part of theatre as a writer, a director, as a producer is when you sit off the end of a performance. And I always tend to hang back in the space a little bit where I tend to look out a window and let the cars downstairs, go downstairs and meet, meet the audience members. Is then looking at their, looking at 
those people's faces that you've you know you've 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 been like a building block in in something which has given them joy and you see that connection between an audience member who's felt something and an actor cast member who made them feel that Mm -hmm. and there is nothing however big the show however small the show like I saw it with Ian McGellan when he did his uh, he did a touring thing in England about his about his life as an actor, and he came out after the show afterwards, and it was the same thing. It was like he written it obviously, and he directed it. it was he, he didn't feel like an actor; he felt like a performer, creator in that moment. And everyone was like, "You made me feel this," and he was like, "Yeah, I made you. I'm um, I made you feel that," and it, it just made everyone so happy. Um, no matter what kind of problems have been going on the show or what kind of problems have happened with the cast and everything, like at the end, as long as there's kind of this, this, this feeling of we made people feel something, then it was worth it. And then when you sit back, you feel like you're looking at the best horizon ever uh, for me personally. And I think that's the best bit of theatre, if I was going to say that for me. I love that answer. That is fantastic. That, and that is, that is a great feeling. That it just, it soaked that all in. Well, we're going to wrap this uh, interview up then. And I want to round it out with um, an easy question, I feel like, uh, which is, um, what's your favorite theater memory? Oh, okay. This one was not, I think this was another one I looked at and I was like, here we go. And now, I'm not, now not only are you making me look at my favorite books and authors and making me feel guilty, um, but now I have to like actually like think in my own mind and think now I'm gonna feel guilty for my memories. Like how am I gonna deal with that? Um, <laughs> but um, my favorite theater memory. Oof. Okay, yes, I do know. Um, I was 11 years old. I had just gone to see Richard the Second. No, Richard. Richard the Second by David Tennant in in. Um, I think it was the RSC. I think it was, yeah, I think it was the Swan Theatre in Stratford. I'm, I'm a big fan of Shakespeare. Um, and I'm a big fan of how, you know, new people readapting it. Um, but, you know, I understand that. I'm also, I'm, I'm actually coming to the, the, um, the mind that, you know, we need to view Shakespeare in a different way and we need to let new performers go. Um, but with that memory, I, I, I was going back on the train from the theatre, uh, back from Strat- uh, Stratford upon Avon. And I was sat there, and there's a speech in uh, Rich the Second when he realizes that he's been deposed by Henry, um, by the, the other antagonist kind of character who then becomes a protagonist in the next play, Henry the Fourth. Um, I'd really recommend you guys having a look in any form at that, those three plays, Richard the Second, Henry the Fourth, and Henry the Fifth. And Richard II and Mark Rylance did it um, at the Globe. Uh, it starts, no matter where, of comfort, no man speak. Let's talk of graves, of worms and epitaphs. And, and it carries on till it goes. Um, um, I feel want, need friends, subjected thus. How can you say to me that I am a king? And I remember watching that and I'd be like, this, like right now, is like I almost got a deja vu moment of however good i become as you know however successful i become however good i become as a performer like even if it never fucking never happens at all and even if it never it never works out for me if this industry never works the fact that i can also be in this industry a king and i can be nothing and that makes me feel the same 
is why I do it. The fact that if you have like two people in an audience and it works for them and it makes you feel something, or you have a full out audience at what the Barbican or, you know, on Broadway or in the, or in the West End here, that to make someone feel something and the very just act of being a performer is in itself, if you really think about it enough, because we're so good with, you know, I think artists are so inventive and so imaginative that we can create meaning as well. And I think that was like, I was quite, I think it was like 11 or 12 or 13. And that's when I realized like, this is the only thing that's going to make me feel most everything and nothing. Um, so that's my theater memory when I decided like, no matter how, you know, I can be a king and I can be nothing at the same time doing this. And that kind of brought it home for me. So I think that's my theater memory. If I'm going to wrap it up with everything. Uh, see the power of Shakespeare right there. <laughs> are, so are there any other uh, plan? Or, well, let me ask this first. Are there any other shows that you have coming down the pipeline that you're directing or writing? Um, I would say, so I'm currently at University College London, so I work in and out of London. So I do a lot of, at the moment, university, um, university drama. So a lot of it's um, experimental stuff. I think after Whistful, uh, because we're kind of, we're creating a, some kind of company out of this um and some kind of something that's going to hopefully go on and carry on and do sort of shows uh i think my idea is to move on i've already got an idea for another play um uh i'm tend i'm to see how much i say about it um it's called um i think it's going to be called fantasia and it's about um uh a plot kind of like how we can mix a plot line with these kind of movements and these kind of performative poetry pieces of the play. So how if some actors were poetry pieces almost, and some actors were plotline characters, how would that work? How would they interact? So kind of, you know, something new. Uh, but a lot of it is about, you know, supporting my cast. You know, not all of them want to be actors. Uh, some of them want to be singers. Some of them want to be dancers. They're going to all different kinds of schools. So always being a space, a company, and a person that can be like, you look, you want to have a recording studio. Okay, let's let's talk it through. Um, let's look at the company budget. Let's see what we can do um, and promote them and then help them to achieve what they want um, and achieve like new fringe work, whatever that means. So I'm still kind of, I'm at the baseline. Um, I guess I'm just building on a kind of like a, a springboard for ideas with the company at the moment. Um, so yeah, a lot of new work. Um, will be coming out um, but I would say keep your eye out for if you're in London uh, my costume designer who is a godsend because um, she you know got these beautiful beautiful costumes together of made of made of straw and paint and everything together in a very short time she's got a play coming up which I'll be helping on called Timers Out of Joints in London at some point um, that will be advertised on the Whistle Company's um, social media, definitely, because um, there'll be a lot of help from that. And then I'd say keep your mind out, for, sorry, keep your eyes out for Fantasia at some point, hopefully next year. Obviously, at a, probably a shorter run in London at one of the theatres there, because they're quite reasonably priced there. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's the plan. Just see where it takes me. I also want to sit down and write poetry for like a year after this um, and not do anything else in my life. Um, but, you know, um, so it's kind of keeping a lot of artistic sides of me happy. Um, 
while supporting other people and doing another show, hopefully. And is there anything, any future productions of Wistful in the works? Mm. So, I think there might be, there might be, I, but I think what I might do is I kind of want to, I'm a big person for expanding and creating opportunities for other, or other, not just, not just before, not just actors, but for writers, for directors, and for other people. So I think with Wistful, I might put it in someone else's hands in direction. I might put it in someone else's hands and let them direct what I've written and see how that takes them out differently. Because the show we've done in the Fringe, the poems we've chosen are but a quarter to maybe a half of what's in the original anthology Wistful. So maybe I'd probably give this new director or this new team the script and say, choose, choose your players, um, choose your, um, your pieces and see what happens if we put things in different orders or we use different lighting sets or we use different actors and different emotions uh, and different mindsets and different ways. Like this one's been, our performance has been quite dancey, but there's no meaning to say that the show completely can't be sung or that the show can't completely be acted, or the show just completely has a voiceover of these poems and completely becomes a dance. Um, it's just based off these, these poems that I've written that you know are the most treasured parts of my imagination, but they're treasure which has to be used and traded and you know given around for me. So I think I, I have absolutely no idea who or what's gonna, who's gonna be doing it or how it's gonna look or what's gonna happen, but I, I, I think I'm going to put it in someone else's hands and, and give that give it a whirl with them, give them a spin on it. That'll be exciting. <laughs> if our listeners want to get more information about your show or about you, how can they find or uh, how can they find it or reach out to you? I think the best way to do it is our Instagram and Twitter accounts are quite are quite live we have a instagram account called uh the wistful company so the t-h-e underscore wistful underscore company and then we have uh a twitter called company company wistful uh and those are the best ways um you know we've got there's also an article written about us in era journal so that's e-r-a journal which is ucl's paper and i feel like if you're a you know, if you're, uh, if you're up to date with the technology uh, and you're good on your social media, go hit up our social media accounts. But for an older listener, I would say if you really want to decide whether this would be something you'd be interested in, then go give that era journal article a read. Um, I will, I've already sent it over to you, Andrew, um, Perfect. Um, for you. Uh, and then I'd give that a read. Um, and I think that will, will help people. And then Wistful open tonight, the 5th of August, yes. at the uh, Fring Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And when does it yes. run to? Till the 20th. So 15 dates. We've got not, not, we don't have a show on the 10th and we don't have a show on the 16th. But apart from that, you'll find us at the space at Nidri Street. That's N-R-D-D-R-Y Street uh, in, or just off the Royal Mile. Um, we're always out there flyering from, you know, pretty much 12 o'clock one of our teams will be out from actually not 12 o'clock probably 10 o'clock in the morning till six 
seven. So we have different flowering teams. You'll find us out in the mile. I just say, come grab a flyer if you're out in Edinburgh. If not, you know, if you know people up that are up in Edinburgh, do let them know. I'm sure it will we'll take it to London. I'm I'm sure we'll do some more with this. Uh, but from now, it's for the fifth, not the tenth, not the sixteenth, till the twentieth, just off uh, the Royal Mile on Nidri Street from eight oh five till somewhere between 850, 855. Um, if you want to, I mean, I'm always up for a shout after the show. Um, you can contact me via the Wistful Company uh, Instagram or Twitter because I'm always on it. Um, and my Instagram itself is on, private Instagram is on the um, the, uh, the Wistful Company's um, Instagram. So, and I'm always up for a chat. Uh, I try not to be on my phone. But um, I just, you know, with this stuff, I have to kind of be at the moment. Um, but, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Harry, for joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure um, just just delving into all of this. I'm so excited for the show. I, I hope I get to see it eventually. I uh, wish I had all the money in the world and I could just hop on a plane and get right over there right now. But it, it sounds amazing. But thank you so much for joining us, taking the time this late to join us. Thank you very much. You're very, very welcome. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Our guest today has been Harry Spears. He's the director and writer of the show Wistful. It's currently playing at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, uh, and it's running from August 5th to the 20th. They will be dark on the 10th and 16th, but you can see the show at the space at Nidri Street, which is just off the Royal Mile. Uh, you can find all the information about them on their Instagram at the underscore wistful underscore company or on Twitter at company wistful. And we'll have all of those posted along uh, uh, for the information on this episode as well as our, on our social media. Uh, so if you are in Edinburgh or you're finding yourself up in that area in the next little bit, or if you're in the London area soon, be sure to check out this show. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar, Evan Schaefer, KG House, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>